0: Welcome to The Way Things Go There, a podcast about excerpts from books and how we can apply them to real life. I'm Tiff Cohen. So I'm gonna say howdy, stranger. I think the last episode was in September, but now I'm back. And I'm excited to have this last episode for 2022 to share with you. I decided that I'm going to do a longer excerpt from one of my top books of the year. I was able to read 80 books this year. And honestly, that has to do with this app that I use. It's called Scribd. S-C-R-I-B-D. I'm probably spelling it wrong. I'll put it in the show notes. What it is, it's kind of like if Audible and Kindle had a baby, you have access to thousands of audiobooks and ebooks, and you just pay one flat fee. I believe I pay around 13 or $12 a month to have unlimited access to, to all of these books. And because I was able to access these books, which felt like for free, um, I was able to read a lot more. So I was often listening to a book on there and reading a book on there and also having a book from a library and also having a book that I purchased and was able to read them simultaneously based on what my mood was or what my situation was at the time. So uh, there's a link in the show notes if you're interested in trying it out it may make you read a lot more books i don't know it did for me and i was really happy with it so the book i'm gonna share today it's finding me by viola davis and holy cow um i am a very big movie fan i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a movie buff i did work at blockbuster for like i don't know three months when i was 20 but (laughs) um yeah, she's, a, she's awesome. She's great. And the book made me love her even more. Um, obviously, it's a memoir, like 90% of the books that I read. Um, and it really shows what it takes to be a woman in America and what it takes to be a black woman in America and how despite the odds really just being entirely against you that you are capable of great things. So I'm going to share this excerpt. And hope that you go pick it up and read the entire thing for yourself and I promise you won't be disappointed. Here we go. At the end of each school day we had to get in line at the back door and wait until the final bell rang. The teacher would open the door and everyone would dash out to go home. Everyone would get excited because it was the end of the day. Everyone except me. As much as I could, I would push and shove my classmates, almost clawing my way to the front of the line, not caring in the least if they got pissed at me, because when that bell rang, I had to start running. I had to escape. A boy in my class was Cape Veridian, from the Cape Verde Isles off the coast of West Africa, was black and Portuguese, and as black as I was, but he didn't want to be associated with African Americans a mindset I later learned was common among Cape Veridians in Central Falls. Most often than not, they self-identified as Portuguese. They would kill you if you called them black. So my Portuguese classmate and eight or nine white boys in my class made it their daily end-of-school ritual to chase me like dogs hunting prey. When that end-of-school bell rang, it was off to the races, running literally to save my life. For the gang of boys, it was a a sadistic, fun time. Every day it was the same madness, the same trauma. Me, taking off like Wilma Rudolph or Flojo, and them, tied on my heels. While chasing me down, they would pick up anything they could find on the side of the road to throw at me. Rocks, bricks, tree branches, batteries, pine cones, and anything, anything else their devious eyes spied. But running me down and throwing projectiles at me wasn't enough for them. Their vitriolic screams were aimed at the target of their hate. They threw, You ugly black, blank. You're so fucking ugly, fuck you. Thank God I was fast. I had to run my ass down to Ebon Brown Lane, the road I would take because it was a shortcut to get home, an idyllic road that looked like a scene from the Brady Bunch. At times, the boys would hide behind houses on that street, and I would have to duck and dodge and crisscross. I was being hunted. By the time I got home, I was snot-dripping, crying mess every day. One day, after a snowstorm, the snow was piled so high in the streets, anyone could hide behind giant mounds, that, giant mounds that seemed to be everywhere. My shoes had huge holes in the bottoms, which meant I couldn't run fast in them because they would make my feet hurt worse than they already did. Because of this, during my daily runs for my life, I would usually take my shoes off, hold them in my hands, and run in bare feet but with mountains of snow everywhere, I couldn't at this time. As a result, they caught me. And when they did, they held my arms back and took me to their leader, the Cape Veridian boy. I don't mention names because, well, the race is way more important in telling the story. She's ugly, black fucking blank, he said. My heart was beating so fast, I kept silently praying for someone to come and save me. And the other voices sounded around me, What should we do with her? Yeah, you're so fucking ugly. You're ugly. You're ugly. I don't know why you're saying that to me, I pleaded to the ringleader, the Portuguese boy. You're black too. And when I said that, everyone froze and fell deathly silent. For a split second, we were all in a movie, all as all the now silent white boys looked at the Portuguese boy, eager to respond to anything he said. You're black too. I yelled it this time calling him by name. The gang remained silent, so quiet. He looked and looked and looked from one white boy to another, frightened and struggling to find a way to hide the truth of what I had just said, the kind of truth that's rooted in a self-hate that we would rather take to our graves. Finally, he screamed in intense anger, don't you ever call me fucking black. I'm not black. I'm Portuguese." and he punched me in the arm, really hard. He looked down, ashamed at being called out, as if I exposed the ugliest, most painful truth. Get out of my face. Then they threw me in the snow and kicked snow on me. My arm stiffened. It was in pain. I walked home, completely humiliated. The next day, I didn't want to go to school. My mom was doing the laundry in one of those old washing machines where you had to pull the clothes through the wringer. What's wrong with you? she asked. Mama, those boys are trying to kill me. They chase me every day after school. After keeping it, keeping it from her for months, I finally told her about my ongoing daily trauma. Vala, the southern pronunciation of my name. Don't you run from those bastards anymore, you hear me? Soon as that bell rings, you walk home. They mess with you, you jug em. Jug is country for stab. <laughs> but if you know what a crochet needle looks like, my mom was actually being ethical. They're not sharp at all. She gave me a crochet needle and told me to keep it in my pocket. It was her blue shiny one. Don't come back here crying about those boys or I'll whoop your ass, she meant, and she meant it. This was a woman with six kids. She didn't have time to go to school every day and fight our battles. She absolutely needed me to know how to defend myself, even if she had to threaten me into doing it. The next day, it took every bone, muscle, and cell in my body to walk after that bell rang. After that bell rang. I could hear the voices of the boys behind me. I could feel their rage, the hate. But I walked slow, so slow I barely moved. My fingers were wrapped around that shiny blue crochet needle in my pocket. The voices got louder and closer. Finally, I felt one grab of my arm violently, and in anger... A finality, an exhaustion came over me, I whispered. If you don't get your hands off me, I'll jug you. He looked at me, terrified, searching my face to see if I meant it. I did. He let me go, and the rest of them walked away laughing. The ritual of chasing the nappy-headed black girl had suddenly lost its luster. Years later, a conversation I had on the set of Suicide Squad with Will Smith was an aha moment. Will asked me, Viola, who are you? What does that mean? I know who I am, I replied with indignant confidence. He asked again, but no, who are you? What does that mean? I asked again, look, I'm always going to be that 15-year-old boy whose girlfriend broke up with him. That's always going to be me. So who are you? Who am I? I was quiet. And once again, that indestructible memory hit me. Then I just blurted it out. I'm the little girl who would run after school every day in third grade because these boys hated me because I was... not pretty. Because I was... black. Will stared at me as if seeing me for the first time and just nodded. My throat got tight and I could feel the tears welling up. Memories are immortal. They're deathless and precise. They have the power of giving you joy perspective and hard times or they can strangle you define you in a way that's based more in other people's tucked up perceptions than truth i think the reader reads this part of the book and of course the first thing they think is who am i and that's exactly what i did um and i've come to share this a lot with friends because I'm very curious as to who they are, because I think I know who they are. And sometimes I'm really surprised at what life event has really shaped everything that they do in their life, whether it's consciously or not. And for me, I'm the 14-year-old girl who lost her best friend to suicide. And in Viola Davis's book, she doesn't come out and say, I'm the girl in third grade who had to run home from school every day because these boys thought I was ugly and because I was black and I lived in this all-white town with a Portuguese kid, of course. And she, she takes the whole book to explain to you how she's proven the opposite of what she was feeling in those times. I think with my, my situation, that one moment in time has forced me to need to prove that I'm not to blame and that I'm not a horrible person. (sighs) So who are you? Whoever you are at the end of this year, may you be happy, may you be at ease, and may you lead with a peaceful heart. Thank you for spending some time with me here in 2022, and I'm excited to see you in 2023. Happy New Year.